99 drinks still left to go Welcome all in and enjoy the show It's me though, with I'm the host You know, so sit back, relax, grab a snack and let's go No my hide and my and welcome into the first episode of 2023. What the heck? Welcome everybody. It's the new year. This is the first episode back. It's such a good time. Summer is here. It's so thankful. It's so hot. And we've got our returning guest. We've got Harris back in the in the studio Fano's keen to rip open and get this new year started off right. So let's welcome Harris back, everybody. Harris bro. Welcome back, fella. Glad to have you here. Thanks, Rod. It's good to be back. Always a pleasure. Always. <laughs> and how's the holidays been? It's the holiday season. Yeah, man. It's been great. I have been doing a whole... I've been... It's a time for me to do nothing, but <laughs> I've been doing stuff that's been relaxing, right? So just, just watching basketball, reading, nice. writing, uh, and just going for walks. For no, like nice. without, a, without a destination, you know, those things have been super chill, but still rewarding, and, and yeah, it's been a great time. And spending time with family, of course. What about yourself? So that means you're back in Harwater. I am back in Harwater. I yeah, I'm back in H Dub. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I will um, every time I come back, I'll see a new shop open, <laughs> and then close. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know this existed, and then shut before I came back. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I swear the only ones that stick around, I think this is the same on Waitara too, is either a food shop or the alcohol shop. <laughs> that, that is the truth. Yep, yep. That's all that stays open, man. Always, always. That. <laughs> Loyal customers, that's why. <laughs> what else are we going to do, right? Bro, especially because like, the alcohol, the alcohol shop feeds like the hot bread shop the next day because you're so dusty, you just got to wake up, grab you some chicken and chips a pie powerade you're away back to the bottle store round two the circle of life (laughs) bro it is a it is it's it's a a tough cycle to break (laughs) but uh, we're trying we're We're trying we're trying trying. there is a thing that we've started on the show um since the last time you've been back okay it's the rock and the rose, your highs and your lows. But instead of doing just the week, let's do 2022. Okay. What was the highs and the lows of 2022? Your rock and your rose. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my highs and my lows. So my, on, honestly, I have, I've had, this is, this is weird. I can't think about the lows. I haven't, I don't think I've had many lows this year. I've had a really, really great year. So, I guess we'll start with the highs and hopefully a low will come to me. Uh, <laughs> so in terms of highs, I um, I think I mentioned this last year, I finished my undergraduate degree, which was awesome. And now I got accepted into uh, a master's program. To Let's go. Psych. Uh, so I'm going to be doing an organizational psych program in Christchurch. So I'll be down there next year, which is, which is awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, in terms of more uh, more personal stuff, I think this year I've I've learned a lot about myself and the people around me, 
I've I've I felt more connected to who I am and and the people around me than I have ever before. You know, like um, and and this I've I've got a lot of perspective because three, four years ago I would, um, and and this is this is I mean I'll 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 open up because I think this is important. There'd be times when I would I would I would hate the weekends because. I would feel the most alone in, in the weekends, even when I was around people. And so this would happen quite a bit over, um, this happened for, for a while, almost almost like a year and a half where I just didn't enjoy, um, w- w- when Friday came, I was I like started to panic because I'm like, oh, I have to stop working. I have to spend time with my thoughts and realize how, you know, alone I was. Even though I had friends around me, at times and you know there's a difference between you know you can be by yourself and not feel alone i didn't experience that at that time uh so i went through that journey and that process and this year uh more than any other year in the last you know few uh i felt really connected to the group of people that i have especially down in wellington way more connected to my far now uh and to myself right i can spend a ton of time by myself and feel connected to myself and to all of the people that aren't even around me. Um, so that's been a really amazing high that I've experienced. But that doesn't mean I go. Th- I still go through some periods, of course, like everyone does. But for ninety percent of the time this year, that's really been a cool uh, experience that I've felt. Uh, and, and it's and it's. I've, I think it's. I've worked on it and I think that's why I've got in there. It, it wasn't an accident, you know? And I think that's a big high for me. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I almost have to restart this process when I go to Christchurch where I'll have to, you know, meet new people and reorientate uh, myself down there. But because I've got a solid foundation to build on, I, don't, I know I'll be able to do it as well. Man, how did you sort of realize you were heading into that kind of space? like into the negative space or the positive yeah okay so it would be it's it's really hard to explain i'll do my best it's hard to explain (laughs) so there would be times where you would uh there's this word in psychology that we use it's a sense of belonging and i kind of define it as um and knowing that you understand yourself and who you are um, in a way that you don't uh, need attention to feel like you are sort of seen, you know, that that you matter in a way. Um, And at that time, uh, I, there was a disconnect between me as a, you know, human vessel and me as a human being who felt like they belonged, right? And this mental disconnect, uh, I, I don't know what the byproduct was, like how it came to be, but it was just this visceral, this deep feeling that uh, there's this, em- this, this unexplainable emptiness, even when you are around people, and that sense of belongingness uh wasn't connected to anyone else either so there was the sense of sense of emptiness and i didn't have a find to explain i didn't have a way to explain it or find it 
in myself or through others. Um, and so that was the beginning of it, essentially. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's it's, I, and I think a lot of people can you know relate to that. It's it's and you can't see it, but you feel it. And when you tell people about it, it's 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 hard to understand unless you you know experienced it. Yeah, definitely. Because I've had times when I've I've wanted to just be alone, but I I kind of look forward to it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy just sitting in a in a room. Lights off, curtains closed, you know, just chill, phone down, just sit. Like, that's calming. Yeah, yeah dude, 100%, right? So I feel that now, but back then, the thought of that gave me so much anxiety. And I, I don't know why. <laughs> and I think it was because of that sense of belonging to myself and um, knowing that I belong with other people as well. Right. Just that sense of growth within yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think what I, what happened in the last couple of years, I just dis- I discovered. Well, once I discovered, um, I worked on figuring out what like my my deep values are. Um, and then and for me, they are you know connecting with uh, others in a in a very deep way whether it's and 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 it happens one-on-one it has to be one-on-one that's how it starts and then it can grow from that but it has to be one-on-one um and i didn't really have that for a while and maybe maybe it was was a sense of like my own stuff like avoidance like i didn't want to do it for fear of getting close or um i didn't have the time or space so that was one thing and then uh my other value is a sense of purpose and learning and at that time, I didn't really have that. So I, I felt lost sort of intellectually and spiritually, which was basically like the two things that I, that I really need, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I got back into learning, got back into university, I found such a passion for what I was learning about and more so because it helped me l- like learn by myself through that process um you know there's a common saying in psychology it's um most people who go and do that major is because they want to understand them themselves to a certain degree which which i think there's a lot of truth to um but i found that me learning about human nature in a way that really sparked like this massive light bulb and going oh my god this is so cool let me share it with people (laughs) <laughs> and then there was that the other part i'm like oh who can i share with i don't really have you know deep connections or i don't think i did so i had to re-establish those so you know really build connections from the ground up and then once i once you have a solid foundation of trust connection with with, with your friends um then i was like okay cool i know like it was it was sort of confirmed in a way where you don't have to be around them but you can still feel um, people's uh love for you you know because you give that yeah. to yourself you like you, you when you give that to yourself you know other people can give it to you too no that's on yeah so so those i'll give i gave you my lows for for a few years <laughs> back and then <laughs> my highs cum- accumulating up for oh, after all those years to now yo and sort of <clears throat> 
do you have any advice for anyone who's trying to look to rebuild? Because I'd say it's rebuilding those connections because in your mind, you don't have those connections built with your friends, whānau, and yourself. So do you have any advice for how people can go about rebuilding those um, relationships? Yeah, uh, I can only share my experiences and hopefully that can help. Um, for me, the first step was like acceptance, like accepting that there's sort of this void and I, I'm i not to blame for it, but mm. I am responsible to, to, you know, to fill the void. So that was the first thing, accepting that it is my responsibility. It's not going to happen willy-nilly. And the second part is the only way you can fill a deep void is by looking at yourself in the mirror. Um, sometimes you can do it on your own. Nine times out of ten, you can't, right? So uh, I said this in the last episode. Like I went to therapy, and that helped me put a mirror to my face in a very kind way and helped me realize the things um, that I needed to do, which was uh, be more open and be more vulnerable with myself and with the people around me. Uh, have uh, trust myself and give myself space to uh, experience the emotions, the highs and lows, and, and, and be okay with the lows. Like it's, I realize it's like information, it's feedback when you, when you experience lows. And when I looked at it as um, feedback and information from what the world is reflecting back to me, um, I could sit with it. I could sit with the discomfort more comfortably. And then once I could sit with it, I could learn from the discomfort. Ah. And then l- learning from the discomfort taught me that uh, you have to, I have to, for me anyway, I had to um, um, be vulnerable with other people and be okay with the negative aspects of life. And as soon as I'm okay, as, as soon as I stopped fighting it and started accepting it, it that's when it started getting better right um, but it was a whole process and it wasn't linear as well it was a lot of ups and downs um, and then and then once I did that and, and um, then I felt more connected to my friends uh, and I remember specifically there was a time where I used to feel really envious of people who were quote unquote doing better than me right yeah, um, yeah. which is super normal a lot of people experience it we just don't talk about it um, but now, every time I see someone doing something awesome in their life, regardless of whether it's rel- like, regardless of whether I'm doing something similar or not, there's sort of the sense of um, deep joy for them. Uh, and I never have felt that before. But this year, especially, I'm like, man, I just love when people, you know, have good stuff happening in their life. Um, and and that's only through me accepting you know, the the bad and good stuff happening in my life. The yin and yang. Yeah. That's so true though. Like even even on the same like it's like, wow, look at them, they've cracked it, they've got all this, but wow, must be nice. But now it's like, yo, they must work so hard. Mm-hmm. Like you you gotta appreciate the work that goes on behind the scenes. Because what you get to see in someone's success is only the, the very tip of what really happens. 
like there's so much of a process that goes on behind the scenes that like i have such a huge appreciation for it's amazing what people can do yeah dude it really is and i think you only realize that once you take a step one like once you've done something difficult that has taken some time you can appreciate when you know other people have done the same thing even though you can't see it yeah and and that's yeah that that really helps what's one of your most favorite successful moments that you've been able to celebrate with someone so far my own yeah gosh man this is a, i i really i really struggle with stopping and celebrating successes this is you man you're really asking me all the tough questions eh? damn <laughs> you gotta celebrate the wins yeah man, you, no matter how big or small yeah you 100 percent do um so for me uh oh this is okay this is this is hilarious um so you have to take you have to decide what uni papers you're going to take for the following year the year before and so i had a paper so i was reading this book last summer called the undoing project and it was about two of the pioneers of cognitive science cognitive psychology um um, Danny Kahneman and Traversky. People might know the books Thinking Fast and Slow. And that's that's one of the books written by um someone so someone in that in the so let me let me go back. The Undoing Project was about Danny Kahneman who wrote a very popular book called Thinking Fast and Slow about cognitive science. And that really got me interested in studying cognitive science and decision making. So for my third year of uni, uh there was a um, paper called advanced cognition and i'm like cognitive science cognition cool this looks awesome so i enrolled uh second trimester the course starts and it's about uh uh eye perception and memory and i'm like what have i done what have i got myself into this is this is literally this is the like other end of the spectrum of cognitive science and i li- i had like no interest in this area at all i'm like oh no but it was too late to pull out. I had to finish this because I couldn't do any of the other level three, level uh, the three hundred level courses. Uh, and it was all test based. And I'm really I'm a, I'm an essay writer, right? I really do well with uh, written assignments. Tests not so much. And especially it's it's way harder with a topic that you don't even understand. <laughs> yep. And here's where I made it even harder for myself. I was taking the prerequisite course for the student level course at the same time jesus right so i was learning the back end stuff sometimes after i learned the advanced stuff so it was i i was yeah my learning curve was pretty steep <sighs> so, okay oh, hey. yeah dude it was right in the deep end literally right in the deep end <laughs> so the first test i did um i didn't fail but i didn't i did pretty bad right and what I'm okay with doing bad if I don't work hard, but I but I like worked my butt off studying for it, and I still did very average, like actually no below average. And I was like, re- I was really gutted. I was like, man, this sucks. So next time around, so the next test, I was like, okay, let's. I'm I'm the type of person who will like uh, take the loss and go, okay, what can I do to improve? So I looked at what I was doing and I tried to improve. Next paper came around, um, and I worked even harder. And I tried learning more deeper, asked more questions, and I pretty much got the same result, below average. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this sucks. And the pressure was on because 
I needed to do really well in this paper to get a high enough um, average grade to be eligible for my master's program. With all my other courses that I was doing, I was doing pretty well, but because I did so badly in the first two tests, I needed to get like an A in the last test just so I was eligible, right? Um, sorry, sorry, I needed an A minus for it just so, just so I could be eligible, and that freaked me out because this this last heart, this last third of um, the content was even harder to understand. And bro, I I. The first week, um, I I talk, I spoke with my lecturer at the end of um, one of the uh, lectures for an hour just to pick his brain, and I came out of it being more confused. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is not good. Um, so my hope was slowly fading, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't have a choice but to just try my best. Let's just do the best you can, leave it all out, and then whatever happens happens. That's the only thing I could do. Um, that also means looking at the method I'm using to study and prepare and learn and see if I can adjust that in any way. And so I talked to my lecturer and I talked to some tutors and they gave me some advice on how to um, use different strategies. So I started using that. Um, And a week before the course, uh, sorry, a week before the test, I was really, uh, I I was testing myself to see where I was, right? And uh, so I was like, like seventy percent confident that I would do okay, but not great, which is progress. But it didn't hit that mark that I needed to. Right, I needed an A minus. Um, so I so I kept studying, I kept working, and I got to a point where I was just like, okay, just 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 <laughs> at this point, just try to memorize everything. <laughs> you know, when you get to that point, where you're like, I don't know, yeah. I don't need to learn it. I just let's just memorize everything. <laughs> Uh, so I started memorizing. I sp- I'm, dude, I spend like uh, five hours a day, every day for a week. Not well, actually more than that. Just, just testing myself continuously, continuously. So I took the test and I thought it went well. Got my results. I got um, an A for that test ultimately, and I ended up, you know, um, getting. I think an A or A minus average for my 300 level um, papers. So that was oh. a huge, you know, a huge one for me. Let's go, bro. That's a, that's that's on. That's so good. Yeah, I'm still I'm still like I still can't. If you ask me some stuff about memory, can't tell you. <laughs> bro, that's like me and um, <clears throat> some of our hubs papers and. Definitely feel my physiology papers down, <laughs> exercise physiology down in bloody Dunedin, mate. Mm-hmm. Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. It's it's pretty frustrating though because I I wish I would remember like some of the content, it, like, and I think this is just, like I enjoy university, but some of the old processes, and I'm sure you can agree with this. Like, I want to hear your experience as well. Like some of the ways that they, you learn stuff and understand things, I'm just going this. At some point, we have to change the system, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was your experience? Oh, much the same. Like, if you don't fit within the mold, then you pretty much fall through the cracks at university, unless you've got amazing support systems in place, or you just have that 
fuck you, I'm going to succeed anyway attitude, you're really going to struggle. Um, I don't think university is set up for modern students. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very old school in the way everything's taught. I mean, even down to the damn ceremonies when they walk out with those bloody golden spoons and wave their little magic feather over your hat and whoop de do, you're a graduate now. I just it wasn't until I got to do Fizzy three twenty, which is the Māori paper that a lot of um the guests that I've had on the show have talked about down at Otago because that's the first time um, you actually get to experience a paper that takes into account different types of learning other than the sit and listen to a lecture, lecture, literally read the lecture slides to you. This is the first time when you're not expected to write notes from all the material because everything's so engaging we're encouraged to work within groups we're encouraged to do the readings by reporting back to our groups each week on what different aspects we've found and then we have to report that to the entire class so that paper and that experience changed my whole perspective of university and then I started to think about how I can implement Tao Māori into the rest of my papers to help get me through instead of trying to relate those papers to me and my life. I was just relating my life and my experiences to my papers moving forward. But I agree, essays are so much better than tests. Tests put you under so much stress and so much pressure, pressure to achieve some bullshit rubric Whereas an essay, you can explain what you mean in more than the 50 words that you get on a fucking test sheet in an exam that only lasts two hours where your essay, you've got, you know, two weeks or 10 days to write your essay and get all of the ideas, all the themes out in a clear and concise manner, as opposed to a test where you're trying to answer complex questions with an answer of about 17 words. Mm-hmm, 100%. And I think essays also show you know your thinking your critical thinking in different ways like you can have a test question that can be like uh which out of the four which is so in psychology it'd be like uh which of these best explains this concept and you have four options to choose from and you pick the one that is like the best even though all of them in a way explain it maybe have maybe one of them has a little bit of error to it you know so i guess you have to be able to read it critically to understand and choose that one but wouldn't it be better if you could um articulate it yourself you know in your own words obviously that that takes more effort on the administrative side to read all the essays and to understand everyone's level of thinking um to different levels and it is a bit more there's a bit more subjectivity to essays to essay writing and reading as well so I get that it's harder um, on the administration side, but I feel like it, it shows clearer thinking over time. Yeah. But there is a problem though now because you can just get an AI bot to write an essay for you. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but it's only 600 words maximum that it can do. Ah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's a good point. Because I've mucked around with it, which which that perfectly brings me into what I wanted to do today, bro. Was <laughs> okay. use this thing to ask some uh, some questions, some pressing questions or um, topics that we can really dive into and explore. All right, let's let's do it. What what's what's the theme? I'll, I'll chuck it into the chat GPT, um, and we'll see what this crazy bastard comes up with. Oh, you're. Man, you're really putting me in the spot, a theme. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go down the route I feel most comfortable with just to, to, to begin. Let's go uh, human nature. All right. Let's see if I spell that right. So we've asked ChatGPT for topics of discussion about human nature. All right, this thing is crazy. So it's, it is crazy, I, yeah. It's the, the the way the things it spits out. I got it to write my so I make YouTube videos and I got it to write the description for my YouTube video because I couldn't be bothered writing it. That's so good. And it, and it did a pretty much like ninety percent of it was was correct. Holy shit! So what did you do? Did you type in what it was about or? So the prompt I typed in, um, the concept was called prevalence induced concept change. That's what the video was about. So in the the prompt I wrote, uh, write me a YouTube description for the psychological phenomenon concept induced uh, prevalence induced concept change, and it decided spitting out a couple paragraphs, and yeah, ninety percent of it was accurate. I just had to edit shit. a little bit, and it was good. Scary Holy stuff. Shit. That's so cool. Bro, it is crazy, eh? Like the evolution of technology now is just crazy. I don't know how teachers are gonna monitor this shit, but I asked it to write me a because this is this was before I knew it could only spit out six hundred words. Yeah. Or it might even just be no, it is six hundred words. But I asked it to write me an essay, a fifteen hundred word essay on the um the effects of on Maori culture since the arrival of um, European settlers and the harsh truth about colonization with references and it spat out a whole like with references um, a whole spiel about the effects of colonization in, in a small snapshot you've got everything from pre-colonial um, statistics right through until today where it talks about you know the suppression of um, Maori language and culture throughout the 80s and that sort of resurgence it has now I was like where do you get this information like even I can't find it that's nuts that's crazy and to do it in such a small amount oh, of time yeah. I was like Seconds. bro you are on steroids I love this mm-hmm. and now I do it to find me um vlog ideas <laughs> bro ditto all right let, let's ask a question from from chat from chat bot that's what i'm calling it oh here we go socialization and culture how do social and cultural influences shape human behavior and thought and how do they interact with our innate tendencies oh that's a good question that's a great question. Tendency. Oh, I was actually I'm doing some research about this the other day. This is okay. This is perfect. So, there's a study that showed that children that are 14 up that are around 14 hours old. Yep, that's hours. Um, <laughs> have a preference for certain physical 
features, fa- facial physical features over others, um, like symmetricalness, um, more yeah, just the, like the shape of it, right? And through that concept, I looked at you know this thing called uh, lookism, and it's sort of this bias for people who are um, who have physical features that are objectively more attractive, right? And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So I looked a bit deeper. And what is attractive through human evolution has changed. And it's thanks to culture as well, right? Um, so I'll give you a couple examples. So back in the Stone Age, um, not, e- not even just between, sorry, between the Stone Age and like the agricultural era, uh, we most people lived in food scarcity, yeah? Um so the the a person who was more attractive was someone who was larger because that signified um re- he had the resources and the means to have food and because um there was scarcity most of the time that was seen as more valuable and therefore more attractive you know to pass on your genes after the agricultural era um when we could grow crops and produce food way easier we there was an abundance and and this is like mostly talking about the west obviously there are still places in the world that are scarce so yeah in the west there was a lot of abundance of food and so that shifted what um it meant to be resourceful and wealthy um and healthy right so now a leaner person these days is, is now looked as more attractive because that signifies that you aren't you know succumbed to all of the all the richness of food around you, all the abundance, and you look after your health and wellness. Um, interestingly, for for um, men who are attracted to women, the uh, ideal woman shape, the waist to hip ratio between those eras, between then and now, hasn't changed. Even though the the size attractiveness has changed, well. well people find more attractive hasn't changed but but the so yeah the, the size has changed but the but the waist pressure hasn't changed so that's really interesting um and if you so there was a, a study in done on fiji that looked at the evolution of um body dysmorphia in uh young women and they could map it to the introduction of the television in fiji so basically, wow. before television in Fiji, um, women were um, like usually pretty healthy weight-wise, um, and there was no real f- um, sign of eating disorders. But as soon as TV w- was introduced, um, the shows that were introduced were American television shows. And this is like, I think, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And the television shows showed skinnier women. And the Fijian woman saw that and identified that as the new model of ideal woman physical shape attraction, right? And over the next 20 years, um, eating disorders started to like peak pretty significantly from that point onwards. So the cultural shift in understanding what is, you know, the ideal shape of a woman um, changed after um, uh, the American culturalization was introduced to people in Fiji. And that changed the whole concept and made people have eating disorders because of that. 
Out the gate. That's crazy, yeah, yeah. So, what we uh, like our socialization changed how we what some people thought was more or less attractive, and same with our evolution. Right. Crazy. Yeah, but we we can. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. And that, like, even today, that that'd be due to the increased exposure to more different cultures and. Um, societies around the world through TikTok, Instagram, and all that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. So the beauty standards that are glorified are seen as the ideals, um, but it's sort of it's not arbitrary because it's based on our evolution of you know what like now that we have an ab- abundance in the West, um, uh, bigger size isn't seen as attractive, and and the leaner size is seen as you know you're 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 healthy and you've got some form of discipline whatever that might not always be true um but that's sort of sort of that's what is pushed and so now we need to consciously uh curate a balance between the two right shit that's so interesting it is a fascinating And and i hate talking about you know like i hate objectifying human bodies and especially like you know women's bodies through this whole process but it's sort of the reality of human nature and socialization and what it's and like in after you know uh magazines and television was introduced you could sort of use that to market an ideal and sell ways to get to that ideal and that's socialization right that's that's influenced a lot of people to a certain ideal that might not be necessarily true or realistic and so what do you think about the power of um media to shape and change your your perceptions about how you see the world yeah i mean the media is huge right like it's all around us uh the uh it's, it's sort of curated to keep us engaged. You know, the, it's called the attention economy for a reason. And the things that will drive attention towards us is things that um, we find really funny, um, things that uh, outrage us, and things that make us feel like we need based on mm. certain standards. And that keep us engaged long enough for us to see things that we can um, consume and buy from the media, right? And that's that's sort of the the vicious cycle. It is, it's like, what do you call it? Like a revolving door, right? No matter, like, newspapers kind of dying off, magazines are kind of dying out, Mm -hmm. and in replace of that is... You know, your phones and now where you consume all your news and your magazine articles and uh, we're slowly moving away from TV. TV slowly dying and, you know, now YouTube, Netflix and everything like that's picking up and so everyone's focus is on a fucking 12-inch screen. Yeah, and like a lot of the ads are specifically curated to what you look for online and the things you look at are, again, like things that you enjoy things that outrage you and things that um, you think that you need um, yeah. and that sort of pushes back the cycle right 
I looked, dude, me, I looked at uh, um, a mic that I wanted for like recording podcasts and my YouTube videos. And um, not only was it started showing me different like microphones, but showed me, you know, if you get this mic, people will be able to hear you this much better. And then if you do this kind of voice training, you'll be even better. And then people will be more engaged and then you'll get way more clicks and likes and then you'll go viral. And then blah, 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 blah. It's, it's selling this dream to you, you know, without you even realizing. Bro, it's, it's exactly like this bloody AI thing. You just give it a little bit of breadcrumbs mm. and it gives you the whole bloody meal. Yeah. There's a, uh, a little thing I read the other day. It's a story about a fisherman and a businessman, right? So basically, this dude, he's a fisherman. He goes out, he gets some fish for a couple hours a day, um, brings it back to his family, and then they cook the fish. They've got enough for a week, and then he can just chill out and, and do some other stuff, hang out with his family, do some other things around the house, um, and have a pretty good, stable life, right? And so this businessman comes up to him, and he's like, Hey man, if you uh, how much fish do you catch? He's like, oh, about this much. And how much time do you spend catching the fish? Oh, maybe an hour or two. And the businessman said, well, if uh, if I do the math, you know, if you spend a bit more time out on sea, you could catch this much fish. And the fisherman said, well, I don't need this much. He's like, yeah, I know, but what you could do is you could you could sell and then save up money, and then get buy a boat. And then when you buy a bigger boat, then you'll be able to get even more fish, spend even more time, and then you make more money. buy more and bigger uh, boats, get other people to do the work, and you also have to then look after the logistics of it. And then over time, you grow this massive business scale, and you will make a lot of money. And then how long will this take? Uh, The fisherman asked. And then this man replied, oh, this will take about 15, 20 years. And then this fisherman said, okay, what will I get at the end of that? He said, well, you'll be able to spend a bit more time with your family. You know, you'll be able to relax and you'll be able to chill out. And you can see where I'm going with this, right? Like, yeah, he's selling man. the thing that the fisherman already has. <laughs> right? And it's it's just, you, you, yeah, more isn't always going to get you where you want to. Sometimes you already have it. Just got to take a, take a second or two to chill, take a step back, see the bigger picture. Yeah. So it's saying, hey, just just scroll out, just scroll out. They use it in investing. Mm-hmm. So many people get fixated on the losses that they've accumulated right now, but they don't scroll out and see the yeah. the net gain that they've had over the past five ten years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's it's like um, uh, when when you reflect on a, a thing that's happened in the moment, you go, oh man, I can't believe you know I was so unfortunate with this life thing that happened to me, this accident, this this tragedy. I, I lost whatever house, a partner, a job, but then. Uh, a year later, you, something also might have happened because you lost that job or that partner or, you know, you, you might get a better job, your dream job. And then you go, oh, man, I'm so glad the thing that one year ago happened. But one year ago, you you hated that thing happening, right? So I feel like you can't, it's, it's like, uh, there's no, like, stop. And every time you go, this was meant to happen for a reason, when something good happens, and then you go, oh, this is going to teach me a lesson when something bad happens. It's like, yeah, but if you you have to take this bigger picture approach because everything is just going to keep happening and happening and happening. And I and you need to have some level of respect for um, luck and risk 
as well as the work you put in, but also um, not not take everything as like, oh man, this is so bad because who knows what the next thing will be. And same with good it's things, so right? True. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the things that I've learned recently. That's me, and that's um, reminds me of this conversation I had with Barry a little while ago about you know his his social media success and stuff like that. Is he's like, well, you can't really plan for it. You you can plan as much as you want, um, in terms of content, but what people like and what people don't like, you can't really plan for that. It just happens or it doesn't. Hundred percent, man. Uh, that's such a harsh lesson to learn. Because <laughs> you can, you can, you can really like something, and you go, "Oh man, this is this is gonna be epic. A lot of people are gonna love this." Then you put it out in the world, and it's like crickets. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except for with a few of my reels. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, man, I really like this one, and then when it comes out, you're like, only six people like this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but luckily, we're not playing it for the like game. We're playing it for the long game. Yeah, hide out, hide out. That's. Um... It's really hard to do that when your you when your mind is focused on the on the present. Um, yeah, well, I think I'm just looking at it as exposure. I mean, six people is better than no people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like I I I think about it like that, but and I also think about it as like I'm just building a skill. Mm. That's all I'm. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm just gonna build a skill. People watch it. Cool. People don't watch it. Cool. The skill is gonna help me in the future in some way who knows what yeah. way but i'm enjoying building the skill so that's what i'm going to keep doing that's it is as long as you enjoy the process if you hate editing and if you hate filming and if you hate ringing people up or reaching out and messaging them and telling them to jump on your podcast and have a yarn find something else to do mm-hmm. i almost find it's like um going to the gym i it's really hard to like start the writing process for a video it's really hard to start the video recording process um and it's hard to start the editing process sometimes sometimes i'm excited to do it but sometimes it's like the gym right sometimes you're excited to work out sometimes you're just like i can't be bothered (laughs) but once you get into it you're like okay cool yeah this is fun i'm enjoying this um but i sometimes i'll go and uh i have to remember that my brain and my biology is um focused in on short-term pleasure so i have to consciously curate and go okay um, i have to engage in short-term pain so i can get long-term pleasure it's that instant gratification eh yeah pretty much pretty much yeah i'm built exactly the same like i'm a win now (laughs) yeah exactly and and it's, it's it's really hard to like everyone experiences this and it's really hard to overcome so you need a process and i feel like if you enjoy something it'll, it's going to be easier to to do when it, that thing gets hard to do than if you don't enjoy it to begin with yeah 100 percent. well tell us a bit more about your content creation journey um i've always been into creating content in some way even so when i first started my personal training career uh like eight years ago I created a blog and I used to share like um, write fitness articles, very very poorly written <laughs> fitness you articles. You need a chatbot. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. If I had that back then, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I I read back to some of my stuff. I'm like, oh my god, this is gross. Well, which is a good thing because I know I've grown, yeah. right? Um, Thick growth. Yeah. So I, I'm just the type of person who likes to take information in, 
that I think is really interesting and then share it with the world. I'm like, hey, learn, look at this cool thing that I learned and I think it will help you if you know this information. Um, so that's how it started with uh, health and fitness information. And that's why I became a PT. And then uh, I've always had a knack for uh, communicating it in different ways, with, whether it was a written platform or a video. So I did that for a little while. And then uh, my natural progression from that was when I started working as a person who taught people how to become personal trainers. Um, I didn't need to write articles. I didn't need to record videos. That was, it was literally my job to share the information that I'd learned, which was awesome. So I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and some of the so I t- uh, the, the the syllabus was sort of created prehand, but I could you know transform it in my own way, which is cool, right? So I could create the content in a way, and then most importantly share it. But when I stopped doing that, um, there was a sort of void. I'm like, I still want to share things that i learned one because it reinforces it for me so in a selfish way it helps me learn (laughs) (laughs) but i also enjoy um seeing people take and take information in and go whoa that was that was cool and experience the same feeling that i experienced when i learned something cool that's the only reason you know well sorry that's one of the reasons i want to do it uh and so recently when i've uh, learned something cool in psychology i'm like man i need to tell people this so uh, I couldn't. I didn't have the time to record videos and write articles. So when I would train my clients, I would bombard them with the information I'd learned <laughs> at uni, and then same thing with my friends. So that helped reinforce it, um, and I would look for that spark in them to see if they enjoyed it. Not all of them did. They were like, "Yeah, okay, whatever, Harris. Just can we do this next <laughs> exercise?" I'm like, "Fine. I guess you are paying me to help you exercise, so I suppose we can." <laughs> But now I've got the time to uh, write more articles and create more video content. Um, so I'm doing that as a form to take learn information and take it out into the world. That's all. That's all. And so going more into your content creation journey, how's it been recently? Uh, Notice you've been pumping a little bit out on YouTube in the past few weeks. How's it all been going? Yeah, man, I've been really enjoying uh, finding a few things to learn. Um, and I'll share, I'll share a few um, videos that I've already put up. So I learned about this concept called, I, th- I mentioned it earlier, called prevalence-induced concept change. It's a bloody mouthful, and I hate that. Uh, this is the thing about psychologists. They give, they give things a weird name, and people just disengage because it sounds really complicated. <laughs> sometimes it is, but sometimes sometimes it's not. And so this, this this idea is actually really this broke my brain when I learned about this dude. Uh, <laughs> but we have to take a step back um, to learn about something called concept creep. So this is an idea that uh, shows that certain usually negative concepts uh, expand over time in two ways. Um, so let me give you an example of like. Um, Bullying, right? So bullying is a negative concept and it's expanded over time in two ways. There's this thing called horizontal and vertical expansion. So horizontal expansion means that um, one concept can um, broaden to have new... Th- that w- So that the concept can broaden and it can be applied to new contexts. So with bullying, the original definition and meaning of bullying meant that it is applied in a school setting 
um, and it has to be done in a way that's active, intentional, um, and aggressive, I think. I think that's what the criteria was. Uh, but now um, the concept has expanded where it applies in the context of the workplace, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, 100%. Right? So, yeah, this is this is just a natural phenomenon. And uh, the, thing, the thing itself isn't good or bad, uh, depending on the context it can be. So in this context, it's a good thing. Now, vertical expansion means that uh, over time it expands to where it includes looser criteria over time. So the original definition was again of bullying was uh, it was active, it was intentional, um, and it was like aggressive towards children, like from in, in school. Now it doesn't have to be active, um, or necessarily aggressive, or intentional to be qualified as bullying someone, right? Um, which that that part can be a little dangerous at times, right? Um, depending on the context. It's cool. So that's that's one idea. Now, the prevalence-induced concept change um, shows that the things over time have expe- concepts over time have expanded in a way that um, just look different. And scientists sort of studied this with um, the blue dot effect. So the blue dot effect essentially is uh, there's a a room where participants looked at uh, uh, dots that range from very blue to very purple and the they had to answer one question on the screen is this dot blue or not blue initially they had 50 percent of the dots were um any range of very blue to like blue purple vagueness to and the other 50 percent were blue purple vagueness all the way to very purple and over the course of like the hundreds of trials, they reduced the number of blue dots. So they were just they just saw blue dots less frequently over time. Um, but what happened was, uh, the participants, um, when they asked about if they saw blue dot, w- with what they previously said they didn't see blue, this was purple. Later on in the trial, they said no, this is blue. So they changed their criteria for what blue was and they loosened it up so much that something that they didn't consider to be blue before was now blue. Okay, vague concept. And if you look at dots for hours at a time, your <laughs> eyes go kind of funny. Like, okay, this this might not work in real life practical terms. So they did this with um, morality, moral judgments. Right, now things get interesting. So they had a bunch of... Um, ethical, very ethical, and all the way to very unethical job descriptions. And the participants had to choose whether something was unethical or, sorry, if it was it, uh, yeah, if it was unethical or not. So what a participant at, at the end of the study initially thought was ethical, the same job description was unethical by the end of the study, only when there were fewer ethical job descriptions. So when they reduced the number of ethical job descriptions, the participants chose um, the same job description that they first said was ethical and that then later on said was unethical. Which is pretty crazy. They did the same thing with faces. So they had a spectrum of very um, uh, friendly faces to very like aggressive threatening faces. 
And as they reduced the number of threatening faces over time, what participants thought at the beginning, well, said at the beginning, was not threatening at the end of the experiment, they said the same image, the same photo, the same face was threatening. So as the prevalence of something reduces over time, we don't adjust to the reduction. We expand that criteria to include the things that we didn't have in there before. Right? So you, you can apply this to the real world and in a way you can understand you can understand things where someone might have a bad hair day and go I had a traumatic experience at school because I had a bad hair day. Um, but it's still people's real experiences, but it's just it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. That explains a lot, though. Like even you can kind of picture it in your own head, like taking tests and stuff. You know how some of the tests regurgitate old answers; they just change the way it's worded, mm-hmm. and then you fully second guess the previous answer and the current one, even though you know the answer was correct. In the first question, yeah, hard out, hard out, exactly, yeah, and yeah. If you apply this to a lot of different domains, you can see how things have changed over time, um, and it's it's mind because we you can't kind of like almost you can't stop this from happening. Actually, there was one study that showed the only way to stop this prevalence change from happening is to occasionally see the really strong instances of something so for example if you go back to threatening faces if every now and then we see a really 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 threatening face that will reset sort of our you know default criteria to we'll go oh, no, no, no no this thing if this thing is super threatening the thing that i thought was super threatening before is actually not as you know threatening it's i should i should change my criteria again so that's one way to overcome that most threatening face that you could ever see a white man in a suit. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the right context, yeah. Damn. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I learned recently was... Um, I made a video on this the other day. What did I call it? I called it... Uh, pluralistic... Oh, yeah. Pluralistic ignorance. Another dumb word. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll um take them below in the YouTube. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, because so, yeah, I um that video the videos will explain it way better than I can from memory <laughs> right now. Yeah, I write a whole yeah, it's 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 way better there than it is here. Hopefully I you get the general idea anyway. Um so pluralistic ignorance this is really interesting. So I'll give you an example. Let's say um you, uh and I give this example in the video. Um so let's say you are one of a hundred people in a room, right? And someone asks for a vote between the colours red and blue. And the person in the front goes, okay, put your hand up if you like blue. So um, everyone puts their hands up, including you. But the thing is, you don't actually like blue. You prefer red. The only reason you put your hands up is because everyone else has. And you don't want to go against a tribe, against a group, because of fear of being embarrassed, exiled, rejected by the group. But every, every other person, the other 99 people, also think the way you think. They also like red, but they put their hands up because they don't want to go against a group. So this turns into a false consensus. Now they did this, and they found this um, concept um, come out in climate change. So most people are are actually um, understand that climate change is a thing, and that we should do something about climate change. 
irrespective of race, gender, age, um, culture, uh, political orientation, religion, like most people um, go, yeah, we should do something about climate change. But at the same time, most people think that they are in the minority with that thought. So most people are like, I th- the ma- most people think that the majority are don't agree that climate change is a thing that we should do something about. So, like, what's the consequence of that? Well, there's a lot of there's more efforts to convince people of this thing that most people already believe in that we should do something about instead of doing something about climate change. Of course, we already do stuff about it, but we could spend even more time and resources on it. But we think that we need to spend time and resources on convincing people on it, even though most people are already convinced so that's that's a really cool concept and it's it's also something that has influenced um university drinking culture um i won't go into that i'll leave that for the video if people want to watch it <laughs> that that part's really fascinating i definitely think there'll be a few um a few people that watch this show and listen to the show will definitely want to check that out if you um <clears throat> indulge in a bit of university drinking <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Has, has it changed your perspective around drinking or all of the learning that you've done? Ah, uh, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one perspective is I think um, P like if people just hung out and they didn't have alcohol to drink. I don't think most people realize that they would still have a good time. Um, yeah, man. But no one knows and no one's willing to find out. Yeah, true. Because, I mean, like, there's been so many good times on, on, on the port, on the horse. Mm-hmm. When you're sober, you kind of, I guess, you don't think about that as much. You know, even though you still have those good times, you still catch up, you still, you know, go, go hang out at the marae, you're probably sober at the marae, you go hang out at the pools, you're most likely you're sober at the pools. It's mm. kind of creepy if you're drunk and around kids. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> um, going out for walks at the gym, you know, you're all sober there, you can still connect and make those connections. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you go, um, you go for a hike with friends. There's a lot of activities people do sober um, and they're still fun. But we, and like we definitely have, in a sense, more fun because we our inhibitions have loosened up. We are more willing to say and do things we normally wouldn't. Yeah, I I have changed my perspective on you know whether we bring out our real selves when we drink, because I think your real self is uh, your authentic self with all its insecurities and its and the things and the walls you put up, right? So when you drink and you put out your inhibitions and you say what you quote unquote really want to say, <laughs> that's not the real you because the real you wouldn't say that. That's true. Right? That's true. So the the real you would has the insecurities and has doubts to not say certain things in front of certain people in certain contexts. Um, but a false sense of you emerges after you um, aren't fully cognitively there. Right, if you're not fully cognitively there, is that the real you? It's just it's a it's a different version of you. But I think there's a false uh, idea that you are the real you when you when you come out. And I don't like a lot of people do a lot of dumb shit when they're drunk. I don't think that's really them. 
Because the real, yeah. honest, smart them wouldn't do that. That is true. Right? That I, is true. Yeah. Do you think it's got more to do with sort of being conscious and well, not unconscious when you're drinking? Because you still have some wherewithal about you, but you're not as conscious as you are in, in, in the state that we're in currently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think it kind of makes you just more fearless? It, it, it removes that sense of fear that you may have when it comes to saying that shit? Yeah, definitely. Because it turns off your prefrontal... It doesn't turn off, but it uh, inhibits... Inhib- uh, yeah, it stops your prefrontal cortex from working overtime. And the prefrontal cortex is the thing that helps you rationalize your decisions and tells you, hey, don't do this thing because of the consequences. And if that part of your brain is but fuzzy and you don't fully consider the consequences, then you're more likely to not fear something. It makes so much sense. That's why a lot of people, you know, just yeah. pick up the keys with me a few boxes deep and whatnot. Yeah, and I mean, like, people loosen up and are, you know, have better conversations. On Like, if they go on a date for the first time, they may be really nervous and they have a bit of chat and it helps open, break the ice and maybe next time you don't need alcohol for that. And I think that's, that's cool. That's... Uh, it's only bad if it's like, you know, I have to do this every time I have a conversation with someone. Yeah. That's where it can get tricky. Um, but but uh, even, even though you're not portraying like this, um, the true, in my perspective, you know, a true you when you are inhibited, it can help open you up so you feel more comfortable over time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. Do you have any understanding about how the brain works in terms of like, becoming addicted to alcohol some yeah some some. so uh, addiction is interesting because there's a lot of um, biology like you have to have a lot of people who get addicted have a predisposition they've got like a family history of it so they're more likely to be addicted to something they've got an addictive personality um, which makes it easier to just be addicted and I think the addiction comes from um, I was reading this book about the dopamine so the dopamine um, isn't like it, it's it's a sort of a reward system but an, an, an anticipatory reward system so nice. your dopamine levels are the highest right before you get the thing that you want and once you have that thing they go down there's there's a common saying with in in um in some groups of men, you know when they are um, finding you know women in in town in clubs, they say the chase is way more rewarding, way more fun than actually you know getting someone, um and so the way the dopamine thing works in the brain is like, oh I almost have this thing, I almost have this thing. Once you got it then the dopamine fills out, you know, you've, you've got the thing that you've always wanted. So with um, drinking and addiction, it's, you want this thing, you want this thing, you get it, uh, you're cool. Obviously, there's other factors like um, the need to maybe turn off your prefrontal cortex because uh, being sober is too uncomfortable, it's too painful. Um, so you need to turn that part of your brain off so you don't experience the pain. You numb the pain, essentially. Um, turns into a coping mechanism from the past negative experiences you've had. 
Uh, and so it's like a combination of all that stuff, your your predisposition, your family history, um, the, dop- the dopamine of like wanting something and then once you get it, you're like, ah, but you still keep, you know, you've started this behavior, you're going to keep doing it. Um, and and then, yeah, like negative coping strategies. I definitely see a lot of that in me. <laughs> Shopping. Not the alcohol. I'm not too phased. Like, oh, I like to drink. But yeah. But with the shopping, I'm like, yeah, man, that's death to me. Like, I see a watch, and I buy the watch, and then I'm like, no, nah, I want a different one now. Right, yeah. <laughs> but then once you got it, you're like, ah, eh, now I got it. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. It's so fascinating how, how the mind works to make you feel these certain things or to make you change your behavior and make you act a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it's like... um when people want to like stop a bad behavior it's way easier just to think about starting a good behavior because when you try to stop a bad behavior you're not consciously curating what it's going to replace and if you don't consciously curate that then you might replace one bad behavior with another bad behavior um a common thing with people who smoke uh and who have a habit of smoking once they quit smoking, they get into a habit of excessive eating. Yeah. Right? That's very common. Um, so if you know that, then you can make a conscious choice. Now, if like if you prefer you know, the, the, the eating over the drinking, and then you'll go, okay, once I become into eating, I'll solve that later, then sure, you can do that too. But, but if you start off with trying to curate it in a healthy way, um, that, that is more effective. Because they just love to keep the lips and fingers busy, eh? It's that whole thing, so they just yeah, yeah. Thought like uh, tell tell the brain it, like because your brain is like this is void. I need I need to there's this void of in my pleasures pleasure senses. Um, because I mean people will tell you like the people who like smoke chronically, and this this is in my personal experience. This is secondhand from what people have told me that once they do you know fill their craving, they don't feel good. They just it's like ah, cool. I've got my, you know, I've got it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so you're you you just want to fill a void instead of filling up your cup. What would be the best advice you could give someone battling addiction? Uh, I think the best thing you can, if you have a really good support system. I think that's key, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, finding a really good support system to help you out because it's re- it's really hard. It's it's these things are so hard to yeah. to stop doing. Um, and your environment will either help facilitate it further or help stop it. Right? If your immediate environment is curated and is built in a way that will it will just keep facilitating this negative cycle, then nothing you will do will stop the thing because your environment is actively getting in the way that's so tough eh? yeah yeah dude like yeah uh, if, if you are trying to eat healthy um but your family your workplace um have a lot of bad food all the time and bad eating habits on top of that, they make you feel guilty for you trying to eat healthier. Yeah. Nothing. It's if you if you don't change your behavior, like 
that's ex- that's the that's expected. Like you shouldn't feel bad because everything is against you in that instance. And if you do, holy crap, well done, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. So I've and yeah, that's that's from my experience anyway. Um, with uh, people getting into like healthy habits and how I've helped them, that's that's the biggest thing that I've um, tried to get them to do. And I think, too, with anything you do in life, <clears throat> having a strong support system around you is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have started this journey that I'm on without amazing people to come on the show and support me and um, like, comment, and subscribe to anything I do. So I 100% recommend in anything you do, make sure you got, like, a strong support system of people that want to build you up instead of tearing you down. It's huge. No, no, one, no one gets to anywhere by themselves people say that some people say they do yeah. but i don't think that's necessarily true. The self-made eh? yeah yeah <laughs> i there are the rare odd few but i wouldn't rely on it no nah, i swear most well, not all because some are 100 percent like hard work grit and grind they've done it yeah but I, I think most are all bullshit they've just stepped on more people that they've cared for yeah 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 100 percent um, that's and, how they've become self-made yeah and it sucks right yeah uh, and and you get this false false sense of like accomplishment and you think that you have to do all these you know bad things or um, forget the people around you and no one's yeah it's it's not the case most of the time and i think people know this intuitively yep um yep, they definitely do yeah but whether or not they you know either act on it or they sort of enhance the environment they're in to excel them because mm-hmm. i think that there's nothing worse in my my eyes you know there'd be nothing worse than eating at a table full of food with no one around you yeah like uh what's that uh there was a study that showed that um more than anything else life expectancy and life satisfaction has more to do with social connection right more than more than smoking and more than drinking social connection is a thing that you know makes you live longer and happier if you've got an empty table it's not gonna happen yeah because like the people that you come up with should be the ones that you you keep by your side through thick and thin they should never be the ones that you shit on when you know the money starts rolling in or the success starts rolling in whatever you value as successful but whenever that comes in, you know, some people change and everything alters. So you should never alter. You should stay truthful to the people that have helped get you there, but adapt to your new environment. Hundred, yeah, hundred percent. I and I, uh, I'm guilty of this when I was younger. Eh? Like I remember <laughs> when I was a part of my um, this like young soccer team, and I was like a really good goalie. Um so good in fact that the older club was like Harris come join our team so I was like hell yeah let's go so I joined them and I completely forgot all about my other friends and my other club I just I just just left them but it was through you know training with them practicing with them playing with them that I got to where I got to and even though I could still be their friends and hang out with them uh I didn't because I'm like I don't need you anymore you know I wanted bigger and better things and now that's something I deeply regret. 
I think it just comes with growth, though. Kind of, you yeah. never know that if you didn't do it. Exactly, exactly, yeah. The, the, I re- once I realized that, I was like, man, I'm glad I went. I got that lesson earlier rather than later because you do yeah. build deeper connections as you get older. And so, you know, it was. I'm, I'm glad I had practice <laughs> as a kid. Because <laughs> shit, yeah, like, I used to have so much, like, well, not anxiety. I just, I just had such a conscious mindset about who I hung out with, what I did, what I wore, the way I acted, and you know those sort of things affected the people that you were hanging out with. That were that still kicked it with you because, like, when I was around larger groups, I'd be like, "Oh no, I don't really fuck that guy." He's out the gate. But then, like, when those large groups are gone, then you're like, "Oh no, what up, my bro? Mm-hmm. How are you, man? It's mm-hmm. like, so good to see you, bro." And it's just like, nah, it's that fake ass shit. Whereas now it's like, nah, it's just not the same. Like you don't get that same gratification when you sort of catch up with those people again. Cause you're like, oh man, how are you, man? How are you? Like shit. 100%. Treated you, treated you bad, bro. But I hope you're doing good, man. Really appreciate you now. You you almost, I don't know how, I feel, I feel a sense of guilt when I'm that person. Um, but when it's done to me, I don't take it personally because I get it. I, I it's I get the enticing feeling of um, seeing what you think is better and going after that and leaving what you have behind. And it's if I'm the friend that someone leaves behind, I'm like, okay, cool, it's fair, fair enough. But I'm I also give them the opportunity to come back because maybe yeah. they don't know. Like sometimes you go, the, maybe the glass is greener where you water it, right? Not always on the other side. Yeah, hundred percent. I love that quote. Mm-hmm. Grass is always greener when you water it, not on the other side. And that's boy, that's something I really learned actually this year. Um, I watered the grass of my uh, in uh, close environment, my close friends, and it flourished. You know, so lo and behold, and that's it too. Like shit. We can all have a bountiful garden. We just got to work together. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And but like you say, when when you don't take offense when someone's um, abandoned you and then they come back, it's like they might not have got that lesson. Yeah. So this might be the first time that they're learning this. Just like you know, we went through that. We've got to learn that someone else might only be going through this for their first time as well. Hard out, and I, and I, f- I feel like um, there's I think there's a lot of outrage recently on people's actions but i don't think most people aren't evil like most people don't have bad intent mm. they have a bad outcome and they make bad decisions so like, you can criticize someone's actions but you have to remove um the personness and criticize the thing that they did so you, they don't identify with it because if they identify if you made them try to identify with it the, when you try, try to criticize them um they're going to be more defensive because if you attack me as a human instead of the thing that I do, then I'm going to be like, no, screw you. Uh, and you, so if I know that people, most people that don't have bad intent and maybe they did something they didn't mean to do, then I can approach it with a sense of calmness instead of, you know, going, oh, this is a bad person. He tried to get me or he did this, whatever thing, which makes it easy for me to address um, or accept, maybe accept the situation or address it. Yeah. 
because sometimes it is so easy to be like bro harris it was you man you the one that did this not focusing on the thing that happened it was just no it was you harris like you're blah 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 you did blah 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 yeah and i I remember um i I used to think that way i'm like man why does this person keep doing this they must suck they must not like me whatever most of the time it's not the case they're thinking about they're thinking about something else and you're just sort of in the crossfire and they don't realize yeah that you know they've hurt you and you know i I mean i do the same thing all the time i'm like oh man and i like think about it retrospectively i'm like man i really shouldn't have i should have communicated that better or maybe done this thing that i didn't do and then over time hopefully you learn (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the the goal i mean if not just listen to this podcast (laughs) yeah just keep keep coming back save this podcast keep coming back Just keep coming back, Fano. Don't go anywhere. Nope. We've, got a, we've got episode after episode. We've, got, we've actually got a, a jam-packed year this year. We should have a few guests. I'm pretty sure Harris will make another appearance at some point this year because the door is always open. Oh, I love chatting to you, Ra. It's a, it's a great oh, time. I same. What, I learned so much. What uh, What's um, in store for you? This, I'm going to interview you now, by the way. What's in store okay. for you this year? Uh, well, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, on top of my regular nine to five job, I am going to be building this up. I've got a few, um, there may be at the moment. I've, I've got to reach back out to them in the new year. Um, but they're, they're somewhat known publicly. Like a lot of people know them. Um, so they're in the works. Whether or not it'll come to fruition, we're yet to see it. They have said tentatively that, yes, they're keen, just reach back out in the new year. So those episodes will hopefully boom. I'm going to try and get in a bit more vlogging. We've got um, a hoodie line coming out in Feb. So we've got some hoodies. We've finally got a manufacturer, so we're going to get a few hoodies pumped out. We'll see how well they do. They're just going to be pretty pretty simple um, just for this one. And then... If they sell, then we'll bring out like a printed t-shirt. I've already got a few designs in the works. Um, that back wall is going to get painted in the next couple of weeks. So it's going to look a little bit different. Because <laughs> I'm sick of seeing it. What color? Uh, white. White is in at the moment. I've got another friend who is a, like a, a painter. He works for a painting company. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, I was like, what, what, what are the in colors at the moment? He said, white, different shades of white. So that's what we're going with. That's that's true. Based on the rumors I've been around recently. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of white. So that door is getting painted white. That wall is getting painted white. Uh, that calendar is going to get shifted over there. That photo is getting taken down. I'm putting up another picture there. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got a few things that are going to change just in the in this background setting. Um, we've got. What else do we have coming up on top of the clothes? The website should be done once the, the hoodies arrive. The website will be done because then I can actually get people to... If anyone wants to model these hoodies for me, I, I just need you in Taranaki because that's where my photographer is. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's a shout-out to anyone who yeah. wants to put in the money. So yeah. if you want it, there, there's an opportunity there. Um, you can take the hoodie with you when you go. So... There's that side. Just yeah, some stock photos for the website because um, it's pretty much built. I just need my own images to replace what's on there. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, and finish that thesis. 
Oh, that that old chestnut. That old that old. I like I like how you left it at the very end. You're like, oh yeah. By the way, I have to do this other thing. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't finish that bastard of a thing. But yeah, I, other than that, I don't have too much planned yet. Because I was like, well, we'll get through the product launch. We'll get through these. Um, Bro, that's heaps already. You listed off a lot of things, and you're like, I don't have too much. Yeah, well, that, that's that's just up until about March. Oh, okay, right. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. About March, April. That, that's when all of this stuff is going to be happening. Okay, I wanna, I wanna go back to what you asked me at the beginning on what I reflected on. So yeah, I'm right, gonna right, ask right. you, what ha- if you reflect on your past year, highs and lows, what would they be? My, my rock and my rose, my highs and my lows. Ah, man. I think the rock would definitely be not finishing my masters last year. Okay. Like. Yeah, that that would be that, that that's the biggest rock because it's just sort of dragged on and on and on and on and on, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get there, get there, get there. So since it's a rock, have you taken any lessons from that? You know, experience. Yeah, well, I kind of knew I was doing it anyway. Like I was, I was delaying it, and then I started the podcast and all that, and so I'm delaying it a bit more, and we get some clothing now getting some clothes out there's lots of fast cars on the street <laughs> there's no speed signs so they just roar up and down but we're going to get that clothing out so there's going to be another distraction plus my full-time job so that's another added distraction so i just need to be better with my time management um so i think my routine is going to change next year in terms of when i wake up and when i go to sleep and what i do in between um a guest coming up soon nicole she told me about um, blocking out your day. So I've got um, a digital calendar. I've also got a physical journal and a calendar on the way. So I'm going to put that up over here somewhere. And this is going to be me blocking out day, day, day. Um, each hour will be allocated for now. Okay, so that's your rock. Yeah, so that's, that's the rock. Ne- ne- next time we, we chat, I'm going to I'm gonna be like, hey, Ra, so how's your time management go? <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, bro, it's become a boulder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's what's your rose then? The rose has been this. Like, I've loved doing this. Um, stepping out of the comfort zone a little bit and just seeing how much uh, support I've gotten from everyone, yourself included. Like, whether you're just someone commenting or liking or viewing um, my content on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, um, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. We're now on uh, what's that one? iHeartRadio. Oh, <laughs> um, there you but go. yeah, I just I've just enjoyed the the support and the people that are just keen to jump on and be a part of it. And uh, you probably feel like tell, tell me if I'm wrong, but you, when you try to do something and you're not sure how people are gonna take it, and and when people do respond positively to something and really support you. Like you know, you're not doing it for that, but the fact that yeah. you are getting that support is is so uh, uplifting, and your your just your your amount of gratitude for it just just goes through the roof. Yeah, bro, a hundred percent. Like like I said, I don't do this for the views and for all of that. I'm just trying to build a brand, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's just yeah, overwhelming how much support I've had in the past what well, i've only been operating since october end of october and that's crazy yeah. yeah i mean yeah i mean dude you 
the fact that you have put out content consistently over this time, it's not easy to do. Like doing do, <laughs> doing this, and and the amount of stuff that you do on on top of you know your full time job and on top of everything else, um, and I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's not easy and the fact that you've said consistent and you put in the work um i know you, there are there are days and and you've been sitting on the computer with your like like this like what like your hands on your face like frustrated upset whatever um you no one no one sees that but i know it's happened um but you persisted uh and it's cool to see that you are continuing to grow and, and continuing to do this I just love it. I just love that I can hear and learn from other people, learn about their experiences and get to share their journey and where they're at. And that's, I think, what I love the most about what I get to do with this podcast. Yeah, that is beautiful. Eh? Like the the conversations you have, you're like, when you, when you learn something about someone or when you understand their experiences and you're like, oh man, that's either, holy crap, I can't believe you experienced that or holy crap, that's so cool, I can't believe you experienced that either way. Um, yeah, it, it builds a deeper connection. And like some of the people that I've talked to, I'm like, bro, I did not know that about you. Like, I didn't know you're an Olympic um, powerlifter in <laughs> Pakistan. <laughs> but here we are. I, if if someone's listening to this and doesn't know the context, <laughs> yeah. um, we did. You got to go back. Yeah, go back to the first episode, and there's a story about me winning the Olympics as a gold medal Pakistani lifter. <laughs> um, that's yeah. a great story. <laughs> and if you're too lazy, there's a reel on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. But you need the full story to actually appreciate the whole thing because it, it is a laugh. Dude, I still can't believe it to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. It's still such a good story. It's and do you do you feel like um, the more you would, do this like initially like when you first got into it you'd be like okay i think i've got an idea of how this works and you feel pretty confident and how things are going to go and then once you get into it you're like oh my god this there's there's so much more this all, all this stuff is crazy and your learning curve and your confidence your learning curve goes up and your confidence goes down you're like oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh man i've experienced so much of that like um with my pc it's a, it was a pretty cheap one i was like 1200 i think Mm -hmm. and so the gpu isn't strong enough to run bigger files with a lot more cuts in premiere pro so barry's episode was the fucking hardest thing i've ever had to edit (laughs) because his he filmed on his cell phone and that died four times and then i had to link up the video to the audio and i've had to cut out so many different pieces because we were drinking so we had to have toilet breaks and stuff like that and by the end of it, there was over a different cuts because every time you cut it, now you've got a new clip. So I had over a hundred clips. Uh, there was way too many audio files to fucking count. Dude, wow, okay. And it kept crashing. My whole PC <laughs> kept crashing. No like, Premiere Pro would crash, then my entire PC would just shut down, and I'm like, shit. It just ran my GPU to the ground. So I had to cut it into ten minute chunks, and then put those five ten minute chunks together and then cut that in half and then do one half export that out create a new video with that then do the second half export that out and then bring those two halves together and that was the final product that you guys saw on youtube that was a bastard unreal all you saw was wow wow i am um, i don't envy you at all 
but uh, as someone who edits videos too, I completely understand. Yep. <laughs> so when that GPU crashes, bro. But it's fun. And I still enjoy it. <laughs> and I think out of all the podcasts, that's the one I can tell you every timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> if you get tested on it, do you know? <laughs> yep. Well, bro, because like the first three times I did it, I didn't save it. <laughs> So I started from scratch three times, or four times actually, because the first three I didn't save it to the fourth. Then I saved it. Then I started cutting it down into smaller chunks. I'm glad I don't have to do that again. So I've learned. So if I know that it's going to be kind of half, 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 I just chunk it up. Well, I'm conscious of the time, man. We've been we've been yarning for about two hours now, plus the time we spent off camera. Oh yeah, time flies, bro. Always when we're talking. Bro, I love it. I love it. And I've learned so much today, and I hope a lot of the listeners and viewers have learned as well. This, is, this has been a great, great chat, bro. Like, invaluable. I know, honestly, yeah. Go and check out Harris's YouTube channel. Doesn't matter if this shit sparked you or not. Go check it out. I guarantee you'll learn something amazing, just like we have today. Don't let this knowledge go to waste. He's putting it out there for free. <laughs> Take it. It's a. I feel like it's one of those things that are uh, things that are already out there, but in obscure places. And I try find concepts and communicate them in fun and interesting ways. So, if you like to learn random fun things that might apply to your life, or maybe not, just just because they're interesting, <laughs> um, then yeah, hopefully, hopefully you might enjoy it. It's uh, simplifying psychology on YouTube. Go and check it out, Fano. It's. It's a great channel because I'll tell you what, I'm not reading a 20 page journal to find out what I can find out in a six minute video. <laughs> but I'll do, the, I'll do all the reading for you. Bro, I, exactly. I, 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 I tell people I like enjoy reading journal articles and people look at me like, who the hell are you? Like you crazy mother, you know, like, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But there you go. Yeah. Like yeah, I take them with a grain grain of salt. It's twenty pages is too long. I can read the eight to tens. Twenty is yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Twenty is a lot. Twenty is a lot. I'm not gonna. Re- yeah, twenty is a lot. I'll, I'll read. Condense your work. If you got a twenty page journal article <laughs> yeah, out there, you don't need condense a, it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. There's a reason you're an et al. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know for damn sure if you're the main publisher, oh, it ain't twenty okay, pages. I'm gonna add anything to that? That's brilliant. You're an airtel. <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fano, this has been a great episode. What a great way to kick off the year. Thank you so much, Harris, for coming back on the show and opening the year. Like, what a way to open the year. I've had so much fun. I've learned so much. Um, you guys got to learn a little bit more about me. So <laughs> hopefully you guys enjoy this. Is there anything you want to say before you go, my bro? Uh, I hope that people experience... Um highs and lows throughout the year and and take something valuable and meaningful away from it hard enjoy 2023 Fano. and who knows stick around you might learn something new from the 99 dreams podcast but anyway thanks so much to the brother harris for jumping on i'm rawri this is the 99 dreams podcast welcome in the new year everybody happy 2023 take care